Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Man City and Liverpool take their medicine and a manager in London gets his P45. Oh, no, no. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Monday, the 1st of November. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen, to a comprehensive ramble review of the Premier League weekend with Luke Moore and Jim Campbell. Hello, boys. Can't promise it'll be comprehensive. No. Uh, Probably quite a lot of ill-thought-out rants and opinions from me. uh, And uh, whatever else happens, happens. Mm. Probably a bit of snark from me. Yeah, Jim will probably just chip in, have a pop. Well, look, I think the ramble curse has officially been lifted. We're doing quite well because just before we started recording, it's been officially announced that Nuno Espirito Santo has been sacked as the Spurs boss after that 3-0 defeat at home to Manchester United on Saturday night. A spooky weekend for Spurs. And uh, look, <laughs> What was spooky about it? Well, Just frightening. It was terrible, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Not a single shot on target at mm. home. And now Nuno has been sacked. We heard rumblings of this yesterday, didn't we, Jim? Um, That Daniel Levy and the board were having discussions about Nuno's future. Ten Premier League games in charge. I'm astonished. 17 in total. Are you surprised? Yeah, I I can't believe it's happened this fast. Like, I essentially haven't given him the time to kind of get his feet under the table and and actually kind of get his, his style in place. 
I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's actually just like when it started, everyone involved was like, we've made a huge mistake here. This is obviously a really, really terrible fit. It's not going to work. Might as well just, you know, mm. activate the ejector seat now. Yeah, It must be that because otherwise it just looks completely mad. And I guess it comes from the fact that, you know, everyone wondered like, what's this going to be like when everyone knows he's nowhere near their kind of first choice. He knows that the club are kind of obvious about it. The fans know it. The players know it. So it was kind of doomed to fail from the start. I'm just amazed it's failed this quickly. It's annoying, to be honest. <laughs> I wanted it to fail for longer. Oh, you had your North London derby fight. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was hoping I'd get another one. <laughs> I feel like Nuno was in a bit of a lose-lose situation from the start, though, Luke, wasn't he? I yeah. mean, they don't... Spurs fans, the whole reason they got rid of Mourinho in the first place is because they didn't want this style of football. Mm. And guess what? Nuno plays that exact same style of football. It, they were, it was never going to please the fans unless they went on a, a winning streak. You know, at the start of the season, he won three games in a row, not forgetting he was Premier League Manager of the Month in August. It was all going quite well in terms of results. But even then, the Spurs fans were a bit like, yeah, but the football's not great. Yeah, we've yeah. not conceded, but we've only con- we've only scored one goal in each of those games. You know what I mean? Well, he's, he's basically nullified and blunted the attacking ability of the entire team. Yeah. With no upshot on the defensive side. Remember on last week, Jules, you and I were on, and we were talking about Brighton and saying if you pair up the defensive side and the attacking side of Brighton across a couple of seasons, they'd be fourth in the league or whatever. And we were saying, well, that getting that balance is absolutely really difficult, though. So that's part of the reason why you, it's, you know Brighton haven't been able to do that. Spurs have got both sides really badly wrong and taken away any kind of pattern of play going forward. And and also not sorted out the defence. They've not become more robust either. But you know, listen, their numbers are actually relegation numbers so far this season. Are you, why are you kicking I just, me? I just the kicked day? you twice. You know what I kicked you, you kicked and I tried to table. stop kicking you, and I kicked you again. So the <laughs> second kick was like an apology for the first yeah, one. It was, yeah, right. yeah. It was. Sorry but about their, that. But their numbers are terrible, Luke. You're right, yeah. both defensively and attacking wise. I think they're, I think they're great. Ranked. You're looking at this wrong. This is exactly what but the numbers you want from Spurs. In, in terms of attack and prowess, they sit alongside Norwich by several measures. You know, yeah. and that's not a place you want to be. <sighs> and you know, I'm, sorry, I'm just. Looking I'm realising the scale of what I've lost here. Yeah. <laughs> and and Nuno's, um, Nuno's uh, the announcement saying Nuno was leaving the club on the Spurs website today is three sentences, which probably tells you yeah. everything you need to know. And they managed to include a, a quote from Paratici and the names of all the other coaching staff in that as well. So, yeah. look, I don't think he's, he's going to live long in the memory. The problem is, he was never the guy, as you've already said, Jules, he was never the guy they that they wanted and everyone knew that. So, it's... It, you got to feel a little bit sorry for him, really, because you, you you come in. It's publicised that they had a completely farcical search for a new manager after Mourinho, um, and you know it's very hard if you're on a two year deal, as we mentioned before, with a one year break and all this stuff is reported, and that you're not the person that the, the club wanted in the first place to get anything going. And what's transpired ever since is that everything on the pitch has reflected that. So, one thing I would say is this, you know. Mourinho got away with a lot because he's Jose Mourinho, obviously, but also because for a large part of the turgid stuff they were turning out under him, there were no fans in the stadium. Mm. So, so it was it was kind of. I think it probably would have come to a head a lot earlier had there been fans in the stadium. And also when they were putting in like really bad performances as well. I remember being at one at home to Leipzig in the Champions League. The point was that was in the Champions League, right? So mm. at least they had Champions League football at the stadium. For me, it all comes back to Levy not backing Pochettino in 2018 or whatever it was. I think it was 2018. That all sows the seeds of what's happening now. He spent ages, Levy, building Spurs up into a size of a club that could hire Jose Mourinho. 
And what they got was a toxic version of Jose Mourinho with none of the success that comes alongside it. And I think the farcical search for, for a new manager after Mourinho fatally undermined Nuno from the start. And I think really, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say that Levy, all things being equal, I think he should have by rights be, be offering his resignation. I think I think he's been abysmal in the last three years. I think he's delivered them the stadium. He's got them to a level of commercial enterprise that they wanted. And he's been good at doing that. On the football side, for the last three and a bit years, he's been absolutely horrific. And if all was right in the world, he'd be tendering his resignation, in my opinion because it's very hard to see how they get up and compete again at the very top end with Levy doing the thing he normally does, which is either appointing a football director like he has this time with Paratici and not being able to resist interfering and making shit decisions over the top of him or not having a sporting director and deciding to do it all himself and being shit at it. So he's not able to stay out of the way. He's not able to construct the stuff he's good at and he's made poor decisions. The last three years have been not good enough and it, all things being right in the world. This won't fucking happen, by the way. Mm-hmm. But all things being equal, he should be off. Mm. I, th- I think another thing that's really, really done for Nuno as well is that um, for whatever reason, um, obviously Harry Kane's form, it, it, that is so, so in- integral to, to Spurs. And I think Son and Kane papered over a lot of the cracks that Definitely. Mourinho created. And the moment that that stops functioning that they just become very, very average and, and pretty easy to play against. But, but that takes you back to the Nuno point again. If, you, if, if, you, if you're inheriting a situation with Harry Kane uh, as a new manager at a club, you need the authority. Mm. You need to have some authority, some experience under your belt of dealing with top-level players. Couldn't have been a worse players. start, could exactly. it? Like, oh, I still haven't spoken to him. All that undermined him He's like, got immediately. No, he had no chance of being able to, to sort that out. And I, th- I think you're right. I think you've tapped into something there. The only things they have been able to do, Spurs, when they started off with those three wins at the start of the season, a little bit lucky here and there, I think. Um, Son was doing a lot of the... Son and Kane were doing a lot of the work. Kane obviously didn't score any goals and missed the, the start of the season. But when they did do something, it felt to me like it was more of running beyond someone or yeah. beating a man or Son doing the same. And there's no real pattern of play going forward, as I said at the start. And the Kane thing's been a disaster from, from start to finish for his, under yeah. his tenure, I think. But it, that's interesting now, isn't it? There's talk of Antonio Conte coming in. We don't know how you know likely that is to be because obviously the news is quite fresh. But I wonder, does that re-energise Harry Kane? I think like selling Harry Kane a Spurs project is is easier than it would be for someone who doesn't have the ties to the club that Kane has. So that might make him think, oh, you know, we've got a, mm. we've got a manager like Conte coming in. I know we've been burned like this with Mourinho before, but maybe actually this will be a chance for another psycho. I'll see out my contract, start talking to my brother it, again. <laughs> it speaks to a, a larger issue about what clubs do when they actually appoint managers now. I've, I've said before, I, I think there's nothing wrong with Spurs trying to become almost like a turbocharged Leicester. So you get a manager in, it's a project, um, you know, a manager like Rodgers would be ideal and you could probably make inroads. It's not a, a massive stretch to say, I mean, it is at the moment because of the way Spurs are and they're in absolute disarray and we don't know at time of recording who they're going to hire. Um, fourth place in the Premier League is probably up for grabs. Well, this is the thing, Luke. I think in the interest of balance, if we actually look at where Spurs are in the table at the time that Nuno Espirito Santo has been sacked, they're eighth, but they're actually only two points off fifth place where Manchester United and Arsenal sit tied on 17 points. And such is the nature of this up and down Premier League season that if you actually look at the teams above that, you look at Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City. Now, realistically, are Tottenham going to catch... Chelsea, Liverpool, or Man City this season? No. 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 So the best that Tottenham can really hope for is fourth place. But right now, would you say that there's a manager that can come in that can achieve fourth place when you look at how well West Ham are doing this season, when you look at 
potentially the players that Manchester United have got, and yes, we know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United as a club have gone through all sorts of pressure and all sorts of problems already this season. But when you look at the players they have, that squad is better than Tottenham's. Mm. Then you look at the rise of Arsenal and how well they've been playing recently. And they've got no Europe either. And they have no European football as a distraction. I don't, I, and then Leicester have underperformed so far this season. You'd probably put them above Tottenham come the end of the season, perhaps, or r- roughly around the same area. So really, is it is it that bad? Is there going to be a manager that can really come in and, and change things so drastically, so quickly? Or should they have stuck with Nuno and just gone, you know what? OK, it's not the style of football we want, but maybe if we stick with this for a little bit longer... It no, might work. No? I, I, I think I think he's fatally undermined from the very start for the reasons Jim said. I I, I don't think there's any chance at all. I, I I broadly agree with the decision, but I think you know it goes back to that older dodge. If you're the person making these decisions and you keep making them wrongly, when where's the accountability? That's why Levy is 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 in the firing line. Or should be in the firing line, in my opinion, because of the consistent ways over the last three years he's made these poor decisions. I, I agree with you. I think fourth is up for grabs. I do, but but Tottenham in the running for fourth. I think if, if 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 they get Conte in, I think they are. If you look at some of the body language of some of those players, you know that that's that that you know Harry Kane's. I mean, I know Hugo Lloris is the captain. Harry Kane is a big, big figure there, mm. and for him to his body language yesterday was terrible. For him to perform the way he has been performing, because ultimately he's sulking, and we don't like to hear this because he's the England captain and because he's a good player and because his goal scoring record consistently has been brilliant. He's fucking sulking. Get over it. Understand it. He is. He doesn't want to be there. Right, and you can make all the excuses in the world. Is he going to get away with that under Conte? Well, if he does, if he does behave like that, he won't play, and Conte won't care, and so that automatically is an improvement, you know. But I think with Nuno, it was very difficult for him to manage these difficult situations because he hasn't got the experience or the authority. Because he was offered a two-year deal, he was seventh choice apparently, and no one respected him. Mm. So if no one respects you, you're not, they're not going to do what you say, are they? It's as simple as that, I think. And isn't that a shame for Nuno as well? Like that's that's one of the things that's getting overlooked a little bit here. I think because his reputation, let's say two seasons ago, you absolutely would have put him like, oh, maybe he can. He was someone who could go and do a job at a club like Spurs. That seems like a logical next step. They talked now about him for the Arsenal job at the time, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Like proper like snakes and ladder stuff. Like his his reputation is like just it has fallen so so far now. It'd be so interesting to see what he does next. I feel really sorry for him. Yeah. I have to say. Yeah, I do as well. I think the the difficulty with Antonio Conte coming in there is that he's going to want to build this squad and he's going to want the money. Yeah. And it's as you as we keep going back to, will Daniel Levy give him that money? Going back to the actual performance itself and and the reaction that the players gave after. Um, I thought Emil Hoiberg, his post-match interview was really interesting because mm. he he basically said he had to stop himself from from calling some players out. Who do you reckon he was going to chuck under the bus, Luke? It's difficult to say because <laughs> there's obviously a hierarchy at the, at the dress in the dressing room. Um, I think Hoiberg is the kind of guy doesn't take any shit at all, mm. and I don't think he would have spared anyone. I'm surprised um, that he stopped himself then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I think I think yeah, it was it was. It was almost a very revealing interview, which yeah. would have been great. Mm. But sadly, these days you don't really get that much of that um, from from kind of current currently playing players. But you know the way United set up against Spurs was interesting because when I saw that, I thought that's perfect for them. That's that's a great that's a great way of freshening things up. Gives you a bit of extra, extra protection. You know, Emerson Royal at right back, still Royale still finding his feet. Ben Davis isn't good, really good enough anymore. Hasn't got the legs. So that's a great boost to. Um, the, the wing-back areas for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's trying to find some form, and, and the same with Luke Shaw, and they played quite well. Extra protection in midfield. Cavani will run for you all day, gives Ronaldo the support he needs. And But regardless of anything that happened, 
you know, if you're not going to be right at like right on it, right on the edge, and working really hard, you're not going to win in the Premier League. We've seen that time and time again. So really, in on one one side of the fence, the May United change of, of, of formation was interesting. On the other hand, it didn't really make much difference because Spurs were so poor. Do you reckon the nail in the coffin, really, Jim, for for Nuno, um, in terms of his time at Spurs, was the fact that they lost three nil to a United side who have actually been pretty turgid this Well, season. I mean, yeah. I mean, this time last week, the narrative was ex- essentially exactly the same against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. So, like, losing yeah. to... A, getting pumped, essentially, by, by a, a team and a manager under that much pressure puts mm. your own situation into such a stark focus. And again, that that's quite indicative of how far Man United have fallen. I know, like, yeah. losing 3-0 at home to anyone isn't ideal, but, like, in the... That's one of the fixtures in the past where you would have sort of excused it a little bit, at least. Mm. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's just a constant pressure cooker, isn't it? It's just, like... Like past the parcel of this, this like horrific, horrific managerial pressure, and I, I think that genuinely has played a big part in this. Like yeah. you can't, can't, can't be getting dicked on by another crisis club. It's yeah, actually passing it on. That's it. I think there's a lot of criticism, isn't there, that in coverage of football, that people focus too much on individual games, but the patterns are are there with Spurs. I mean, that, that we talked about some of the some of the attacking stats that they don't have. You know, they haven't managed, they haven't mustered a shot on target for like three halves of football now. Yeah. So. You know, I, I, I do, I do think you really need to be right on your, uh, right on your game. And I think going into the, this game, the build-up for Spurs would have been: look, you look at United; they're on their, they're on their knees here. Mm. Look at how well they can be exploited. Look at how much they can be vulnerable. I know Varane came back and they changed the shape, but we're at home in front of sixty thousand of our fans, and we've got this amazing stadium. You can just see there was such a lack of reaction that it was very, very difficult to make an argument that, um, that the, 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 the manager was ever going to come back from that. Yeah. And apparently Antonio Conte is already in London. So wow. right. we'll have to wait and see what happens He's there. just having an autumnal walk through Green Park, <laughs> doing a bit of shopping, I expect. Yeah. But that, that might be another so. reason they pulled the trigger because they probably thought, actually, do you know what? We might miss out on Conte. Mm. And Conte is he's probably the best out-of-work manager in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, get him if you can. Because I, I think, didn't he, hilariously, it was reported that he turned them down last time so he wasn't interested. Yeah. It's funny how much uh, six months being out of work can do to change your outlook. I'm just really glad that Antonio Conte is here and that he could potentially take this job and it won't go to Graham Potter. Well, that would be, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless Conte turns them down again. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. um, we'll come on to Brighton and their brilliant uh, point at Anfield a bit later. But let's just talk a little bit more about um, what happened this weekend and some of the other matches. It was a really bizarre weekend in the Premier League. Seven away wins, which is actually the most mm-hmm. in a match week so far this season. And probably the biggest surprise of all of them was Crystal Palace winning at the Etihad in Pep's 200th Premier League game in charge. Disrespectful. They spoiled the party, mm. didn't they? Disrespectful, that. Yeah. It looked like he didn't understand at the end, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. This isn't. I've this heard is, this can not right here. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard this can happen. <laughs> But I never thought it would happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> they, had a, they had a bit of a mare as well because they were down to 10 men. Um, Laporte was sent off, which, I mean, some people are arguing it shouldn't have been a sending off. Um, but I actually think Crystal Palace deserve credit more than anything. And it's hard for me to of sit course. here and say that, but they were really good. And I think, I think, you know what, they've actually been, they've been brilliant this season under Patrick Vieira. And I think there have been plenty of matches, including the one against Brighton earlier in the campaign, where... They deserved to win and they didn't get the points. Think leading into this game, they'd drawn four games in a row and it almost felt like finally they got the win yeah, that they deserved the out of the performance. Win. And they, I think they had to, they've been unlucky this season, but in this game, they actually had to create their luck and I think they deserve the win. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and it's especially like, you know, to, to score early and be that organised. Like going 
going one 0 up against City at the Etihad is a is a weirdly high pressure situation to yeah, find you yourself in. You almost don't want to be in that situation. Yeah, exactly, right? Because it's like, all right, now You'd we're going to get... right at the end. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or ideally do that as well, um, <laughs> yeah. as they did. But um, but yeah, you, you are, you're inviting all kinds of pressure. And Vieira's got them so organised so quickly. And yeah, it, it deserves a huge amount of credit. The turnover they had from the squad at the start of the season and coming off the back of a manager who's been there a while, there tends to quite often be a little bit of a hangover there. They've been burned before with Frank De Boer as well in, mm. in, in, in a kind of a similar type of appointment. Um, just really, really impressed by them. I think what's worked in their favour as well, you make a good point there, is the massive rebuild that they had to have this summer. They got rid of a lot of their experienced older heads in the squad, brought in a lot of young players, um, new players, new manager it felt like it was almost set up to not to fail but it was it i think everyone was kind of expecting them not to be where not to have played the good football they've played and i know they're in the bottom half of the table but i think they could finish top half if they continue in this vein of form and i think that possibly because the expectations were quite low Maybe that's why they've surprised us all. Yeah, yeah, it felt like at the start of the season, it felt like, oh, this could go either way. This could go badly, yeah. I thought, yeah. And I thought they were, absolute, they were an absolute credit to themselves. I know they were playing, they played um, half the game with an extra man. But let's not forget they scored the goal, first goal before that. Mm-hmm. And, if you know, we're going to, last week we were talking about how poor the application was from Man United. We've just talked about how poor the application was from Spurs. The application from Palace, every time I've seen them this season so far, has been brilliant. Like they haven't quite got the results that they deserved, as you guys have said. Um, I just think referee Andre Marin has got a lot to answer for because if you are going to pull someone up for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, just as Carl Walker's so. about to put the uh, about to put the afterburners on, yeah. then you know you, you, we're all missing out there, aren't we? You're an enemy of football. Yeah, because Carl, Carl's not going to get a chance to stick those afterburners on and, and bail someone out, which is one of the most electrifying moves in sports <laughs> yeah, entertainment. Brilliant. So that was a bit of a shame. Um, but I thought they were excellent. I thought um, Conor Gallagher was obviously just standout good. Um, he looks to me to be genuinely like a very, very exciting player. I mean, mm. he's, he's made the step over to Palace and, and playing at the Etihad in the way he did. And actually, his performances all this season have been amazing. He's a very, very special talent. We should be excited, very, very excited what he can achieve. It kind of reminds me a bit of what, I know they're slightly different players, but it reminds me a bit of um, what we saw with Mason Mount, where he just steps up and steps mm. up and steps up. And before you know it, really, you wake up one morning and he's one of the first names on the England team sheet, you know, mm. um, to go from where he went very quickly. Uh, and Connor can do the same, I think. I think he's an amazing player. He was a standout performer in this game. Uh, and he, that is hard to do even if Man City are down to 10 men because I think that's the first goals they've conceded at home in the league this season. Yeah, it was the first so ones. That, yeah. tells you, that tells you its own story. So I thought, I thought they were absolutely fantastic and a credit to the manager. And as I said last week, you can see what they're working on. When, when you, even if they don't win a game, you can see what they're working on all week. They're just such a tight unit. They're so, they're so kind of well-drilled. And I think that's a credit to Vieira, uh, to Vieira to be able to get his ideas across so efficiently, so quickly. Yeah, and that puts um, City level on points with West Ham now, who won. They beat Aston Villa by four goals to one, which means West Ham just cementing their place in that top four. Mm. Level on points with the champions. And, you know, I, I know I've watched a lot of West Ham this season. They are just, they just make you smile at the moment. Yeah. They play with so much spirit and just the... The kind of like team ethic, you you can always feel it through your TV screen. Nightmare to play against. Absolute nightmare to play against. Did you see the interview, Ben Johnson and Declan Rice at the end of the game as well? I just thought like they're just so cute together as well. Just the smiles on their faces. Just lovely to see Jim. Yeah. And I mean, they've very quietly gone around, gone about putting a really, really good squad together there Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, obviously, you know, we all know how good Declan Rice is and 
they've really benefited from the fact they've managed to hold on to him. But like Said Ben Rama starting to come into his own as well. It's just like there's, there's such an impressive group of players in there. Mikel Antonio, obviously, you know, just doing what he does for them so efficiently has has been. I mean. It's the consistency with them, isn't it? It's the consistency without their squad, the way they've managed to play, getting all those players like just pulling in the right direction. David Moyes yeah. is very, very good at that when he gets some time. It's like it's, it's like when he had Everton, sort of like when, when, you know he, he finished fourth with Everton, didn't he? And like that's astonishing looking back on it. And it's the same thing. It's he's, he's been there a while. He's mm. he's got the control he, he needs. They've just they're just really well balanced. They've got like a really good base of midfield of Rice and Suchek. They've got three players behind Antonio who will offer you lots of different types of challenges and take up lots of interest in different positions. Yeah. And they're also, all, all of them, if you're talking about Bowen, Fornals and Ben Rama, I know Lanzini came on and contributed as well, but those three, um, they're kind of a bit mercurial. You never really know what they're going to do. I know people will say, well, I know what Jared Bowen's going to do. He's going to cut in off the right. <laughs> Fine. But Bowen's played right up front as well for yeah, West Ham yes. season and been good. So, And the centre-backs have contributed hugely, not just in set-piece dominance, but they've had a couple of goals as well. Ben Johnson, who you mentioned, he's been fantastic. Well, and then yeah. you've got the set-piece delivery of Aaron Cresswell as well. He's fantastic. They've got a very, very well-balanced team. If they can manage to juggle all those competitions... Yeah, they're 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 gonna have a really really good season. Yeah, I think what's what's been most impressive as well with West Ham is if is everyone probably teed up this season as well. Make sure you keep Mikel Antonio fit because otherwise, without him, where are the goals coming from? Well, they've had eleven different goal scorers this yeah. season wow. now, and that's the third best in the league. Mm. They had four different goal scorers yesterday. Mikel Antonio didn't even score, and they and they beat Villa four one. Yes, Villa were down to ten men, and there was that bizarre incident where there could have been two red cards in the space of. 30 seconds obviously yeah. Esri Konza was the one who who suffered and ended up getting sent off but I just I was really impressed with West Ham yet again yeah. um, and it was a bizarre weekend as I've already said of the top three only Chelsea won we're going to get into their win and Liverpool's draw plus some bizarre League 2 refereeing after the break Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have 
and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I heard Maguire talking during the week. He was like a robot. He was like, uh, uh, I apologize to the fans. There's no emotion behind it. <laughs> I didn't feel like I, I didn't know I needed Roy Keane's Harry Maguire yeah. impression, but it was so good. Yeah, oh, God. I absolutely so good. loved it. Um, it's Jules, Luke, and Jim here with you on today's football ramble. Right, let's get to some emails. Peter's jingle had a good run. We loved it once, but that love's gone. You can get in touch, just email show at footballramble.com. Nice and medieval, that. Like it. Yeah. Mm, enjoyable. James Langren's been in touch. He says, I believe I'm in with a shot of having made the longest journey anyone has ever undertaken to watch a single <laughs> football match. Some shout, but we'll see. As a lifelong Leicester City fan and season ticket holder, I made the terrible mistake of moving to Auckland, New Zealand in 2014. Not only did I, did I miss one of the greatest escapes in Premier League history, we then went on to win the bloody title 12 months later. Prior to leaving the UK, I made a promise to myself that I'd always make the effort to fly back for either a European away fixture or a major cup final, thinking that neither was really a possibility. So when the Champions League fixtures for 2016-17 were announced, I earmarked the away game against Porto as the one for me. As the final group game, this ended up being a dead rubber. We played the reserves and got gubbed 5-0. (laughs) Because of some not-so-creative, economically-challenged planning, I flew via Lisbon to Porto for the game. As such, including the trip to and from Auckland and a whistle-stop tour seeing family and friends in Leicester, the journey totaled 26,500 miles (laughs) across a trip lasting five days end-to-end. Was all this worth it? Probably not, but you live and learn, eh? (laughs) I mean, that's going to take some beating, isn't it? That's a long way to go, but I've... I reckon it probably was worth it, James, because I bet you had a good time. Why yeah. not? Saw your family. Exactly. Well, I think it was annoying because he's probably just kicked everyone else's ass in this uh, little competition yeah. now. No one else is going to beat Plus, that, are they? Portugal's a nice place. Unless an astronaut gets in touch <laughs> and says, oh, I came all the way down you know, for Grimsby's last game of the season or whatever from the International Space Station. It's probably not going to be beaten now. I mean, again, even I mean, how, how high up is space? I don't know. Like, I don't know how yeah. far that is. Like, it's probably not even that far. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for that, James. And also, by the way, James, have a think about your carbon footprint. Yeah. Cop, cop this weekend, and mm. so yeah. this week. So have a think about that as well. I mean, I know you're not doing it every week, but you know, you're not doing it every week, are you? <laughs> yeah. You are, you need to have a word yourself. Yeah. Um, show at footballramble.com. That's the email address. Get whatever you want in touch to us or tweet at footballramble. Also, if you need a problem solving, remember, you can throw it our way for pep talks. We do that every Wednesday. We can answer whatever problems you have. They don't necessarily have to be football related. It might be Pep's first time actually emailing in himself <laughs> after, <laughs> after the result at the weekend. I mean, come in, he won't be very happy this week. Oh, he won't. He won't. And uh, I wonder how Jurgen Klopp is feeling after their two-all draw against Brighton at Anfield on Saturday. Um, they were 2 nil up as well. They were. They could have been 3 nil up. They weren't. No. But Brighton came back. They managed to rescue a point. I enjoyed it very much. I struggled to concentrate doing my actual job on Saturday afternoon on score <laughs> because of it. Because as soon as we got back into the game, I thought, hang on a minute. It was, a very, Hall- it was a very Halloween-themed um, game because they were, Brighton were like Mike Myers. Like You never really you keep thinking they're dead, <laughs> yeah. but they're not. Keep, keep coming back. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Myers without the mask. It was a credible, uh, what a game. credible comeback. It was a great game. It was just really exciting. Well, I mean, Liverpool were brilliant in the first, what, 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh, I was very worried. Um, I thought when that third Liverpool goal went in that got disallowed, the one for handball 
off Mane. Um, I, I was really panicking at that point. I yeah. thought, oh, we've got away with one there. We've got we've got pretty lucky there. And then after that, we just we were just brilliant. Didn't Klopp say that was his favourite goal yeah. we've scored in his whole time there? <laughs> the goal that was ball. disallowed <laughs> is your favourite goal you've ever seen scored. Yeah. What? Because we were so shite playing out from the back that yeah. Sanchez kicked the ball into yeah. Mane and that's your favourite goal. Mad. I, get, I mean, obviously I think he's talking about trying, the pressing. And... I think you might be trying to do a bit of sarcasm as well. Maybe, though. maybe. But you know, you know in, the same way that, in the same way that Pep... We talked about Pep saying he'd be unhappy this week. There's a part of Pep that will be happy that Palace played so well. Yeah. And yeah. they executed their game plan yeah, so well. Completely. And he, he'll spare a bit of time for them. And he, he's, you know, you know, like, um, I reckon Pep does a lot of those, um, like retreats that only people who own social media companies do where they yeah. have to go somewhere in their mountains and they can't Sit speak for a week. I reckon yeah. Pep does a bit of that. And he does that every week. And this week he'll spare a bit of time for how much he enjoyed watching Conor Gallagher play and yeah. how good Palace were. With Klopp, you get the impression that it's a bit of a um, a bit of a silver line to the cloud. The game was just so good. Yeah. yeah. He always talks a lot about rock and roll football and how he likes yeah, the yeah. heavy metal heavy football. Metal football yeah. 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 And and the fact that this was so exciting, I think there'll be a little bit of it will just be like, that was fun. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That's he, why I'm in the Premier League. He also might take a bit of credit because Adam Lallana was one of our best players on the pitch and he'll probably have been like, yeah, he's my boy. Yeah. I love it when he's still my do boy. That. He's still yeah. my boy. Yeah, you know Klopp, what I mean? Klopp said that all in the build-up last week. He was going, oh, you know, Adam, it's going to be a big game for Adam. We're looking forward to seeing him. And it's like, that is very nice and very touching. You don't like him that much, do you? Because you let him go. <laughs> yeah, they shook hands when Adam Lallana got substituted in the second half. You could feel the love there. That's all part of Klopp's kind of um, power thing with, with Liverpool, though, isn't it? And the, and the fans and, and just the identity of the club is all about, essentially, you, you never walk in alone, even when you left the club. So I think that's all part of just why they love him so much and why he's such a good fit there. Mm. Just on Pep, just going back to that briefly... I reckon he has a recurring dream where he's also a football manager, and that plays out <laughs> in in a, in, a, in in a full season, and he's yeah. doing that every night while he's asleep as well. I think I think that's probably fair. I think credit to Brighton though, because you know Liverpool have looked. I mean, they haven't lost a game all season, Liverpool, mm. right? We have to, and then they've they ended last season really well as well. So I mean, I know it doesn't work like this, but you put it across. You know, two halves of a season, if you like, and they're in ridiculous form. They've yeah. got the best player in the world, and so they're an incredible, well balanced team. They've won everything, all the rest of it. It wouldn't be amazing, or, sorry, it wouldn't be unsurprising if Liverpool went very close and not get beaten at all this season. Yeah. So they go two 0 down so early on, away from home. It's a credit to Brighton to to, to bounce back the way they did because. Uh, I thought they they kept their heads up. They worked really hard. They're they're credit to their manager. They were good. I'm just smiling because um, it was really funny on social media yesterday. Basically, uh, the Brighton admin posted a picture of Kukurea and Salah's in the background. He's sort of hidden away, and and it was obviously a joke. They mm. tweeted saying like, you know, he's kept Salah in his pocket all game. Yeah. And just the replies to this yeah. tweet were sensational. Were. Just the Liverpool fans could not handle the fact. Why so that sensitive? It was, it was, they, yeah. was, they were like, yeah, but he got an assist though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he got an assist. Yeah, but he's still the best player in the world. Yeah. What's your trophy cabinet looking like? Yeah. Guys, Kukurea was amazing in the game. I, I thought I thought actually second half Brighton were really good. But can we just mention Enoch and Wepu's first Premier League goal? Amazing. Oh my God. It was, it was so surprising that I genuinely in the moment I had to watch it about five times before I realised that he actually meant it yeah. and it wasn't actually a cross but he definitely meant it. It was too it was central incredible. for it to be a cross wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. make sense. I mean we t- touched on this earlier like outside but um, it it's one of those finishes that makes football look really easy. 
Like a goal's huge, you just kick it in it. <laughs> yeah. It's just a surprise you don't see it more. It made you think, oh yeah, that should happen a lot more yeah, often. Yeah, I could probably yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. What a goal from him. Um, and you know what? I think he's got a lot of promise. I think he's still very raw as as a talent. Um, I watched him pre-season against Getafe and he um, Graham Potter actually played him in, in about four different positions in that match pre-season. And I thought, how is he going to use him this season? What's he there to do? I'm still not entirely sure long-term where he's going to be, but perhaps he's being lined up as Basuma's replacement if Basuma were to right, leave. Right, okay, interesting. Um, but look, I think from what I've seen of him so far, he's come from Salzburg. We've spent a lot of money on him and I think there's there's definitely a talent in there. And if he can score goals like that, then, yeah. then wow, he's some player. And Trossard, just a lovely finish from him. He yeah. kind of played in that that sort of false nine position. Um, Mope dropped to the bench, which I was quite surprised by, but... Graham Potter just continues to do good things. Yeah, I mean, he was so, so close to um, being on side for oh, that I last one. So I know Mane had a similar similar one, but like, that would what a comeback that would have been. That would have mm. been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's still really, really impressive. I, I think Trossard's the guy you want in that situation, isn't he? Because he does have that evil prince look, like yeah. probably enjoys inflicting pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does indeed. Uh, great point for Brighton, though. Still in the top half of the table. Um, and with Liverpool dropping points and Man City losing, Chelsea were the only side of the top three to actually win this weekend. Um, three goals from them, two absolute rockets from Reese James. Where has this come from? Four goals in five games from him. I know. I want you has been bagging him in as yeah. well. It's all, it's all about the fullback. Well, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because the fullback position now is, is so much more like a traditional winger from the past that yeah. I wonder if like Tuchel was just finally like been the manager to find a way to get them scoring in the way that a lot of traditional wingers did. Yeah, I know what you mean. They, they're in the same positions, right? Ultimately. Yeah, because Chelsea played through at the back, didn't they, against Newcastle anyway? So I, I guess, um, yeah, they, they, they have a licence to move to go forward. I mean, there's, there's, score, there's, there's scoring goals from fullback and then there's that, though. I mean, mm. they're yeah. both absolutely they amazing. amazing. But you know, I mean, what's been forgotten, I think, because of all the stuff that's been going on off the pitch around Newcastle, is that they're in big, big trouble. I mean, it, they were terrible, it looked like they? they were playing a completely different sport to Chelsea and not in a good way. Um, they've, they've been awful. Uh, and it really is, I, I don't know what the thinking is behind the new ownership, but whatever they're thinking, they need to move fast. Mm. They need to get a manager in quickly and a coaching staff in quickly who knows what they're, what they're, what they're doing uh, because they need to improve and quick. The, the, I mean, what is it? Four points from ten games or something? It's absolutely it's really scandalous. Bad. Really bad. Seek a little bid for Nuno. I was going to say Nuno's available. Hmm? Nuno's available. Could sort out their def- sort out defensively. Fit. I mean, they're lucky that Norwich have been as bad as they've been. Yeah. That they're not bottom. Yeah. Oh, you know sure. what I mean? Like sure. it, they've just been. I mean, they played what with like five at the back. It's almost like Graham Jones thought, right? Well, let's just be completely defensive in this game. It, they just look desperate to get the ball to Alan St. Maximin every time and just nothing, nothing really worked for them and they need to act fast. Obviously, we've got one more match, then we've got the international break. I almost feel like that's probably when Newcastle will Maybe. appoint a manager, but who knows, mm. we'll have to wait and see. Um, very brief mention, Jim, because I feel like, I feel a bit sorry that we're not talking about Arsenal's win <laughs> at Leicester because I actually thought it was a really good was really win good. and Ramsdale was sensational yeah. again. That save? Yeah, fantastic. Thoughts? Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like... It it was coming at a nice height for him, but it, he still did a brilliant job on it. And Thomas Partey's clearance on the, off the line is exactly why he's there, you yeah. know, to sort of be that layer of security. I thought they were um, they they executed the game plan really really well. They, they you know there was no you kind of always worry a little bit when if Arsenal go two up, especially away from home, you think right well now you've got to manage this. So like mm-hmm. just do it 
do it professionally and 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 hopefully we'll get over the line. And they did. I think I thought they nullified Leicester really well in the second half when when they were throwing everything at it. And I was very impressed. That's why I think the save was even more impressive because of the timing of it. Yeah. You needed to make that save in that moment. Um, and a very brief shout for Rafinha knocking Bielsa over on the side of the pitch after <laughs> uh, during Leeds two on win at Norwich. That was an amazing chuckle. game because like everything happened in about five minutes. Yeah. It was terrible. It was, it was awful. awful. Yeah. It was the it was the worst game I've seen this season. But then we got three goals in five minutes. Yeah. So happy then, days. And then they stopped. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, they were exactly. done. They were bored. Yeah. Um, Luke, you were at a game this weekend. You were at Craven Cottage. Enjoy it. I was at Fulham three West Brom nil. I did enjoy it actually. Um, Mitrovic hat trick, absolute masterclass. He is relentless in that division. He's like the Terminator. I mean, he's got 18 goals in 15 games. That's now ridiculous. It's crazy. It's a joke. And, and the thing was, even against West Brom, who are a big, strong, physical team, and Fulham basically passed them to death. I think West Brom had about five minutes at the very start of the game, a little spell in the second half when Fulham were comfortable. But other than that, they Fulham passed them to death. And Mitrovic didn't really even do that much special. Mm. But Fulham get a penalty quite early on. Mitrovic scores it. Probably wasn't a penalty, but that's not really Mitrovic's fault. <laughs> Second goal, Snodgrass, short back pass. Yeah. Mitrovic in there scores. You know, third goal, um, uh, Fulham play, I think it was Harry Wilson runs down the right, cuts it back on the penalty spot. Mitrovic is there, scores. Yeah. The basic things he just does with such relentless efficiency mm. that, I mean, essentially, when you play with Mitrovic in your team now, you're starting with a goal, you're starting a goal up every game, mm. which you know, tells its own story. And I thought West Brom were physical, experienced, tough, um, obviously, they had a man sent off as well, which made it made it difficult for them. But Fulham passed them off the pit, off the pitch, so they were, they were excellent. It was a, it was a good game. What's the latest on the Craven Cottage swimming pool, please? So I was in the stand to so I was in the what would they call it the Putney end. So mm. and, the, and when you're facing the pitch, the new stands on the left couldn't. It looked like it was almost finished the stand, but I couldn't see evidence of a swimming pool. Oh. So I'm afraid I've got no update on that. It was a bit cold for well, that. That's as well. a bit of a waste. I know, but mm. what, what Can was get good? Some info next time, please. What was good was a lot of workmen obviously working on that stand. And then they obviously, maybe they've just been told they can have a couple of hours off to watch the game. So they're all there in their high vis and their high vis, just, watch, just watching it. Yeah, yes. up really up, right, way up back in the, the back of the stand, really up high. Ah, <laughs> nice. Um, also, something bizarre from the weekend I think is worth telling the story of. Um, just referees doing referee things. Um, in the Leighton Orient game, which by the way they won five nil against Hartlepool, the referee Alan Young blew for half time at forty five minutes, forgetting. Uh, any of the stoppage time. Um, so the, the fourth official had added four minutes and he forgot to play it. So they had their 15-minute break at half time. He got the players back out onto the field, stayed at the same ends they were first half, ordered them to play the four minutes that he forgot to yeah. make them play the first half. And then after they played that four minutes, made them switch ends and start the second half. I mean, it's two-bit, isn't it? What the hell? It is two-bit, that. It's I mean, this, just... is, this is League Two. This is like yeah. professional football. Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure this should How be happening. How do you forget? I know everyone makes mistakes, but that is a big one. <laughs> that is a big one, right? I mean, the fans would know what was going on. When I was at Spurs once, there was a VAR check for... A th I, I can't quite remember now, but it was for a penalty. And they were checking it while the game was going on, obviously. Mm. But for some bizarre reason, just because it's how the game went, panned out, the ball didn't go out of play. For like oh, four minutes. Right. And then they called it back for a penalty. And and no one in the stand knew what no, was happening. Because yeah. no. because it had been on going on for so long, the um the, the big screen didn't really make any sense. You probably haven't even got big screens at um at Brisbane Road. No. Maybe you've got maybe you've got one. I don't know, but there's no way they would be able to communicate that with the fans easily. Yeah. Well the fans because uh, I was on score on Saturday afternoon when this happened, and there were a couple of Leighton Orient fans who tweeted and they were like 
we have no idea what's going on, but the players have just come out and mm. <laughs> played four minutes, yeah. which we assume was from the first half. So they were sort of telling us the story because obviously we don't have a reporter at the Leighton Orient game. So we were relying on the fans to tell this story. It was just bizarre. Yeah. Just said, they, the weirdest thing. They must thing. have thought they'd forgotten to change ends at first, mm. which would have been weird enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. What I would have thought. that's what I would have thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. That's football for you. It's a bit Sunday League, isn't it? Lovely stuff. Mm. Um, Probably wouldn't even happen at Sunday League. If it happened in Sunday League, you'd be fuming. They bother. They just wouldn't do it. Probably wouldn't, no. <laughs> and by the way, Jimmy, feeling better now? You were, you were yeah, a bit poorly last week. Yeah, I had a cold week. last week. Good. I did not have a cold now. Oh. I, have a, I have a warm, if grow, anything. Grow up, Jim. It's actually really nice. <laughs> very nice is it you and your shoulder pads giving out grief I know this is a good thing about this though Jules it's a podcast so people can't see yeah it. but we do have cameras yeah, in here I'm sure true. someone I'm still sure someone will put it on we have to wait half media. hour for you to do your wake up <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> um, right that is all from us thanks for listening to the Football Ramble part of the ACAST Creator Network tomorrow Pete and Visha here with Kate Mason be good to get her thoughts on Nuno sacking and possibly by tomorrow there may be a new Tottenham boss enjoy that Kate have will be good... speaking Italian by this time tomorrow <laughs> No question about it. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. Bye. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Abroad in Japan is the Stack podcast that brings you a taste of life in Japan. Recently, Chris Broad was joined by NHK contributor and legendary video game streamer Pete for a chat about his life as a TEFL teacher. I'd one time taught a woman who was still pregnant and I had to teach her stomach. What? Yes, and so... Wait, wait, what? She came in, seven months pregnant, <laughs> and they were like, no, she wants you to just to talk to her stomach. <laughs> so I was sitting there giving instruction. <laughs> Very specifically. No. She held her tummy and she said, I think he's getting it. And I thought, oh, oh dear God. Just bizarre. Search Abroad in Japan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. New episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.